The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we talk about college access with Emily Nishik, the new executive director of College Possible. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour and X-Ray FM. I am joined with the new executive director, Emily Nishik, who is with College Possible. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's just start out with what is College Possible and then I am going to ask, can we not say COVID-19 for at least the first half of this interview and just talk about the organization and your students, and then we can talk about how you're responding. Perfect. Um, College Possible is a college access and success program um, that works with historically underserved students. So for us, that's first generation students of color and students living on low incomes to help them get into and graduate from college. Uh, utilizing a near-peer mentoring model and a very um, intensive curriculum for students. And really what sets us apart um, from other college access organizations is that college success piece. So we stay with students from their junior year in high school until they graduate college, no matter where they go in the country. They get an AmeriCorps coach to help them through that process to ensure that they're graduating. So this, this is far more than SAT prep. Absolutely, definitely. While that is a portion of the of our curriculum for juniors, um, it is really looking at the success factors for students um, to ensure that they are able to stay on track and graduate. There's a lot of um, data and information out there around first generation and low income students living on low income backgrounds to um, the barriers that they face while they're in college. And so getting a student into college is half of it. The other piece of it is ensuring that those students are successful and graduate, and preferably graduate within four years so that they're not taking on additional student debt. Um, So for us, the college success piece of it is incredibly important. And like I mentioned, really what sets us apart from other programs, especially in the state of Oregon, of that continuation piece and that students get a coach no matter where they go in the country. So our college possible Oregon students here um, are attending universities and colleges at 76 um, universities and colleges across the country. And so it's not just do you go to PSU or do you go locally here? It's really wherever that student chooses to go. Now, Oregon has uh, surprisingly bad graduation rates. Yeah. Uh, in, in some pockets, uh, the, the Medford area, Southern Oregon, Josephine County, Jackson County, um, some of, some of <clears throat> Portland's, Portland schools are, are, you know, around the 50% range. Um, are, I assume those are the schools you're targeting. Yes, yeah, so we actually started in East County. Um, there was a Ken Thrasher, who is our board chair. He's been working um, in education philanthropy for a very long time. Um, and Martha Richards from the Miller Foundation. And actually Mark Langseth from um, formerly I Have a Dream, now greater than 
actually asked College Possible to come to Portland um, and really looking at seeing that the student population was being pushed out through gentrification and students were not being served. The services weren't following the students at that time in East County. And so we started um, with four high schools in East County. David Douglas was our first partner school there and still our largest partner school. We have a double cohort of both juniors and seniors there. So um, really looking at serving that area in a very targeted way to ensure that students were getting the additional support that they needed to get into college and also really working on a lot of what we do is working on changing the college going culture within a school. So if students are seeing their peers that come from similar backgrounds that look similar to them going away to college, we believe very strongly in what we call the ripple effect where we will see other students, other family members, cousins, friends, then moving on and applying and going to college based off of seeing it as a possibility for themselves. And so really working on changing the culture within those schools. Sure, it's a great type of peer pressure. Yeah. yeah. And, and now you mentioned that uh, some of your, the original board members brought this to Oregon. I just wanna point out, so the program exists in Minneapolis, Milwaukee, uh, you, know, you know the cities, what, 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 yeah. where is this coming from? Yeah, so College Possible began in uh, the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul area 20 years ago um, as a college access program, which was what it was originally founded on. Um, and over the years, we've expanded. We came to Portland seven years ago. Um, so we're in our seventh year of serving students here. We're in Chicago, Philadelphia, Omaha, and um, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And then we just very recently uh, merged with an organization called College Access Now out of Seattle. So that is now College Possible Washington, um, which we're very excited about because that really expands our college partnership reach that we have for students in Oregon and vice versa for them. So if we have strong college partnerships here and guidance for students on what schools are good fits for them, that expands that on the West Coast and really opens up opportunities for our students here. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would, I would think that there's a lot of different cultures. I mean, Minneapolis is is very is there's similarities to Portland, Chicago is as as well. But there's also differences, especially in uh, the, the educational system. Um, how much of this is is customized then to the Portland program, and how how do you share those ideas? Sure. So we talk a lot about program fidelity and um, there's a lot of research that has gone into our curriculum and building that curriculum. But each site and each state has their flexibility to be able to develop the program for what works good for them and their students. And like you mentioned, like we're in a lot of different higher ed landscapes and they're all very different. Oregon is very um, individualized, I would say, in its higher ed approach um, versus Wisconsin and Minnesota that have much more interconnected systems with the community college and the universities. Um, we see very different financial aid packages coming out for our students based on the states and the higher ed funding there for financial aid. And so for us, a big, a big difference for us has been with the Oregon Promise, a lot of our students are starting at community college, and that has not been necessarily the case for some of the other states. And so we've worked really hard to ramp up our community college support for our students. So financially, that may be the best path for them, 
but our job is then to ensure that they are on track to be able to have the right credits to be able to transfer and make that a smooth process and so that they have additional support. So we've been able to create additional curriculum and programming here to specifically serve the needs of our local Oregon students. And I want to, I want to talk about numbers and just scope of the program a little bit and then we're going to go internal, talk about you and your new job. Um, so seven years in Portland, which, and if you picked up those first group of students as juniors, that means you have some graduates from college. Uh, if not two groups of graduates, what what rates do you have of success and how do you define success? Yeah, so we celebrated our first um, graduating class last year, last June, um, which was a really huge, exciting milestone for us. Um, our college graduation rate is based off of a six-year graduation rate. So that is the comparative data across the country for higher ed. And so we are we have, we're going into, this will be our fifth year, um, so we'll have some additional data on that, but we won't have our comparative data until that six-year graduation mark. Okay, but you had successes. We have had successes, yes. We had, um, we actually had quite a few students who were able to graduate within four years. We had 130 students in that first cohort um, for our first year for the graduating class, and, um, we are looking at um, pretty great, actually, fifth-year graduation rates. We won't have those until June, um, but for students that are on track, um, it is looking really positive. Wonderful. And, and so now you've you've been with the program for a while. You've been with uh, College Possible for a while. You were the director of development and communication, and now yeah. have risen the ranks. Yes, um, I will take Julie Mancini, our current executive director, is still here. She'll be here through the end of June. So it's been really nice to have a transition period here um, while we're working through planning for next year. Um, our fiscal year ends June 30th. So the transition time period has been really great with the overlap and um, being able to both work on the planning for the coming year. And what's, what's lost with Julie leaving? Oh gosh, she's such a presence. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of meeting her or hearing from her, but um, she is she is a one of a kind and it has just been the pleasure of a lifetime to be able to work and learn under her. Um, and so that is some big, big shoes to fill here just in her um, vibrance and her leadership within the community. Um, and know that she will still be connected with us in the future as well. She's just been a really great mentor to me personally um, and to other members of our team. And so she will be missed greatly. And now, now coming up through development uh, means that you understand where the funding's coming from. Um, where is the funding coming from? And, and uh, give, a, give a sales pitch. What's the return on investment here? Why, why should people give money to College Possible? Sure. So... We have been working really hard since I came on four and a half years ago to diversify our funding stream. So traditionally in the startup model that we were, we were very much funded heavily by foundations and knew that that wasn't sustainable um, as we needed to grow and we needed to grow that funding base. Foundations often don't want to continue to fund year after year. They want you to see, they want to see you become more sustainable. Um, and so we've worked to grow our individual giving from 41 donors to about a thousand um, over that four year period. And I think what has really led to that success is it college possible and the mission 
people can see themselves in that mission. Like if you had a great college experience, you want other people to have that. If you had a negative college experience, you don't want other people to experience that. And so it's been, for me in my fundraising career, it's probably been the easiest mission that I've ever had to tell um, because you can get people talking about their college experience, what that was like for them, and they can see themselves a part of that. Another huge piece of it for me is I'm a first-generation college grad. I grew up in rural Oregon. And so that personal mission connection has been um, really a fantastic place to be for development. Like you always want to find that, that mission where you can connect personally and be able to tell a story. And for me, this is my story. My, I'm the youngest of six. Um, my brother and I both graduated from college. We're the two youngest in the family. And the life trajectory and the path that we have and the amount of opportunity that was given to us from going to college and having that experience has really changed the trajectory. It's exactly what we talk about, right? Like my kids' experience will be a hundred times different than my own based off of the opportunity that I had. Sorry, I still get emotional about this years later. Uh, it, uh, as that's, it's, it's nice that it's not just talking points. Yeah. Um, you know, but 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 some of that also is, and and you know, you obviously have a lot of personal insight to this. Is culture can be such a cult, college can be such a culture shock, especially if you don't have friends or perhaps even a community or friends, a uh, family that have have gone through it and know how to explain it. Uh, I I imagine that this is not just about the intellectual capacity or even knowing how to apply or the, the logistics, this is about the culture of going to college. Absolutely, so we talk a lot about in junior and senior year when students are building their college lists around college fit factors. What should they be thinking about um, when they're looking for those colleges to apply for? And it's not just your stretch school or your dream school or your safety school. It's where do you see yourself? Where, where do you feel like you would be comfortable? And for a student who's never stepped foot on a college campus, how can they even begin to ask that question of themselves? And so part of what we do is we partner with 13 colleges and universities in Oregon here that provide campus visits for our students. And we encourage our students to attend as many of those as they can so that they can start to feel for themselves and walk onto a campus and say, wow, this feels really small. I don't want to be here. Like this. I feel like I would, you know, not be able to grow and expand or step onto a U of O or OSU and decide, wow, I would be lost in the crowd here and I want something smaller. And so to be able to have that opportunity to experience that firsthand and start to see themselves on campus, see what a dorm looks like and go with another group of students that are in the same position or very similar position to them and have a curated campus visit is really a huge important part of our program. And we've heard students really sort of change their path and what they thought they wanted by having the opportunity to step foot on campus. So that's part of it. The other part of it is helping students navigate, you know, if you're a student of color and you're looking at applying to a predominantly white institution in the Midwest, a small private school, having the student ask, like realize what that experience will be, provide information for them, provide context, have them start thinking about that, maybe connecting them with a current college possible student on that campus so they can hear firsthand what that experience is like for them. So really utilizing our network across the country, that's where we have a huge benefit with having being part of a national program, 
is to be able to be that connector also for students um, to be able to hear firsthand from another college possible student what that is like for them. Um, so a big part of it is that social piece of it. And I honestly think that that is a big part of where higher ed has struggled to graduate uh, students from low income backgrounds is it is not just the, the academic prep. It is students feeling like they belong, like they have a place and a sense of community that universities can build that support system that works for them if they're working a second job or a third job. Um, and really sort of those holistic student approaches that help students be able to be successful. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that, that component of I belong here. That, that is a level of, of confidence that is uh, hard to anticipate and hard to coach. I mean, I, I did not come from a difficult economic background, um, but I went, went to public high school and I ended up at a small private school. It took me two years three years to feel like I belonged and, and it was a shock, you know, and, and I come from a couple generations of going to larger public schools and, and uh, that sense of I belong, how, how can you coach that? How can you support that? Because that, that is the sense of breaking in to the system. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that does start in high school and preparing students for what that experience will be doing. Um, we do panels with current college students coming back and talking to juniors and seniors about what that experience is like. And a lot of it is sharing maybe that they didn't just like what you shared, like they didn't belong. But at that age, you feel like you're the only one that doesn't belong, right? Like everyone else has it and you don't. And so having, just having the experience of hearing from other people that come from a similar background, what that experience is like for them provides a sense of belonging because all of a sudden you're not alone in that experience. So I th that is part of it. Part of it is our coaches, our college coaches spend a lot of time um, helping students figure out what their interests are when they're in college and then finding those resources on campus that they can connect to. And so whether it be different activities or student groups, um, really encouraging them to get involved very quickly. We know that students that can get involved and feel like they belong on campus in that first semester have a significantly higher rate of staying for the second semester um, if they can really find their community. And so our coaches help students with interpersonal things. They help them with, you don't like your roommate or you know you need to move because you're having a roommate situation. And so a lot of it is goes beyond like just filling out the FAFSA and making sure that they're registered for school, but it's really helping support them through those social emotional adjustment of being on college campus. Um, and I know I went from rural Oregon to the University of Vermont and it couldn't have been more shocking um, with the, you know, the East Coast, um, cultural piece of it and then just like the income gap was huge for me and realizing like what other students from different economic backgrounds experience and being put into that at the age of 18 is can be really overwhelming. Um, UVM is a wonderful school. I went just down the street from there. Oh nice, yeah. <laughs> um, College Possible is just such an amazing program because it, it is like you've been saying not just about getting students in, but retaining and keeping them in. And then the trajectory that you talk about, about these years can be such a catalyst for sending you in the right direction. Um, Emily Nishik is the executive director, the new executive director for College Possible. Hey, and you brought in some music for us. Yes. You want to set it up? 
Um, yeah, so I selected, it's a newer song. It's um, Alicia Keys from her, I don't think the album's fully released yet, but um, Underdog, the single from that album. And it really resonates with me for some reason, maybe during this time um, of what we're going through. And then also um, just the whole, the way that she talks about the underdog from a very empowered place. We talk a lot about um, self-agency in our program and students and, and them doing the work and them putting in all of the effort um, and really rising up and rising above. And that's really what the song is about. And then the other piece that I love is that um, if you just take one moment to notice, it can change the whole trajectory. Like there's small moments in your life that change your path. Um, and that was something that just really resonates with me right now. She was walking in the street, looked up and noticed he was nameless, he was homeless. She asked him his name and told him what hers was. He gave her a story about life with a glint in his eye and a corner of a smile. One conversation, a simple moment, the things that change us if we notice when we look up sometimes. They said I would never make it, but I was built to break the mold. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So I sing a song for the hustlers trading at the bus stop. Single mothers waiting on a check to come. Young teachers, student doctors, sons on the front line knowing they don't get to run. This goes up to the underdog. Keep on keeping at what you love. You'll find that someday, soon enough, you will Back to the kitchen, talking to the driver about his wife and his children On a run from a country where they put you in prison For being a woman and speaking your mind And she looked in his eyes in the mirror and he smiled One conversation, a single moment The things that change us if we notice When we look up sometimes They said I would never make it But I was built to break the mold The only dream that I've been chasing is my own I sing a song for the hustlers trading at the bus stop Single mothers waiting on a check to come Young teachers, student doctors, sons on the front line Knowing they don't get to run This goes up to the underdog Keep on keeping it what you love You'll find that someday soon enough You will
That was Alicia Keys. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm talking with the new executive director for College Possible, Emily Nishik. And we are, have been talking about the program. It's just, it's a fantastic program. Getting students into college, keeping them in college. Now we have to talk about COVID-19. Uh, Cal State closing. Uh, at, at the time of this recording, that is really the first major school, half million students that have closed. Uh, Cal State is fairly similar to Portland State and, and the students that it's, it's working with. Um, There's so much, what, what does College Possible do with this uncertainty with you know, a, a demographic that you want to give certainty to? Sure, so COVID-19 has just, the disruption that it's going to have in higher ed, I mean, nobody knows at this point, but we do know that it's going to be significant. Um, I think something that really weighs heavy on us is that students from all backgrounds, if they stop out once, um, their chances of graduating drop 70%. And so if you layer that, and that's all income backgrounds, that's not specific to students from low income backgrounds. And so I think um, what we're hearing a lot is that students are planning on taking a gap year um, or taking the semester off if their university is going to go online just for the fall and anticipating having students back for spring uh, and winter. Um, and so that is really concerning to us because the chances of students enrolling um, right away it go down significantly. And so we're really working one-on-one -on -one individually to support our seniors who are transitioning into college. Um, and then also our current college students um, to make sure that they are staying on track. Some of them need to be home with their family. A lot of them are changing their enrollment decisions, um, choosing to be closer to home. Maybe they got into a great private school in the Midwest somewhere, um, but are choosing to be closer to home to, to be able to support their family. So I think the amount of uncertainty, um, the impact that that's having on our students is um, really great, especially when you're looking at online learning and college already being overwhelming and intimidating, and then adding that additional component. Um, some of them have connectivity issues still. Um, there's just a lot of additional barriers that the students are facing. And so we're there to support them. We're also there to help provide guidance and encouragement to really, we wanna see them stay on their path um, and not take a gap year to be able to um, increase their chances of being successful. Because you talked about there's on-campus um, support and that, that's hugely important and, and it's hard to schedule a Zoom meeting to talk about a problem that you're having with your boyfriend or girlfriend or your roommate. Um, it's just, it's, you need to have that sort of the be in the flow and that, that is a lot harder when it's um, online. Sure. The one thing that we do have is that our college program is both in person here locally at um, a handful of colleges and um, community colleges where we have a significant number of students, but a lot of our program for college programming is tech connected. So we already have the curriculum in place for that, um, just because we support students no matter where they go in the country. So um, there is a process for that. I think that just the biggest concern for us is whether or not students will feel comfortable enrolling. So universities have been slow to say what tuition will be, if there will be a tuition discount, if it is all online, um, and some of those financial pieces. So we're working with students to appeal to financial aid offices to get additional funding so they're not taking out large, um, if they have a large gap 
to be able to appeal for more funding. Um, but there's just a lot of unknown about um, where colleges and universities will be in the fall for their own financial situation um, and with enrollment rates and enrollment numbers looking um, pretty low for those institutions. So I think a lot of it is helping students make, um, giving them the options and providing the support to make good choices for themselves. Emily, I, I, I hate to end on that note of uncertainty, <laughs> but, but uh, this, this is all of our lives right now and, and uh, more acute for, for some people and some organizations. Congratulations on the new job and thank, thank you. you for all the great work that College Possible does. Thank you, I really appreciate the opportunity. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.